0: Our scripture reading for this morning is going to be from Matthew 9, from verse 1 to verse 8. We're in the midst of a sermon series on the miracles of Jesus in the gospel of Matthew. Let's read Matthew 9, from verse 1 to verse 8. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. This is God's word for us today. For today's sermon I'm going to talk about two actions that Jesus takes in these verses and that will lead to two questions for us and then we'll conclude by coming back to look again at Jesus. First in this text, Jesus forgives. Jesus forgives. A man, we'll call him Bob, goes into a restaurant for breakfast and he goes in, he sits sits down, he looks over the menu, decides what he wants and then when the waiter comes, and we'll call the waiter Chris, Chris says, well, what would you like? Bob takes a last glance at the menu and says, I'd like the special omelet with bacon on the side, some hash browns, and a cup of coffee. And Chris listens and then says, no, no, actually, you don't want that. I think what you're going to have today is oatmeal and orange juice. And Bob looks at the menu again, looks at Chris, the waiter, looks at the menu and says, no, actually, I really want what I ordered. That's why I ordered it. I want the omelet, bacon, hash browns, and coffee. And Chris says, no, That's not what you're getting today. What you're getting is oatmeal and orange juice. And Bob looks up and says, how's the food at the restaurant across the street? When we order food at a restaurant, we want what we want. We go there to get what we want. And we're not happy. We're not pleased if we get something else. In the section of Matthew that we read this morning, this group of friends, they bring their paralyzed this paralyzed man to Jesus, and presumably they're coming so Jesus will heal the paralyzed man. And when Jesus sees the faith that this whole group has, he turns to the paralyzed man and he says, "Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven." Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. And if we read this story carefully, our internal voice at this point is probably asking, and? And? If we bring a sick friend to a doctor and the doctor says, take heart, buddy, your sins are forgiven, we go and we find another doctor. Now, in Jesus' time, people did draw a much closer connection than we do between physical and spiritual troubles. They thought those were often pretty close and that spiritual trouble could lead to physical trouble. And we, we put those issues about this far apart, right? We don't think physical and spiritual really have anything to do with each other. So these guys might not have been quite as disappointed as we would be in this situation. But you can expect that there was disappointment. You can expect that their inner monologue was going, Why are we even here? What, what good is this? But what Jesus is saying to the paralyzed man and to the group of friends that bought, brought him and to the crowd, and what he's saying to us is that the physical problem here is not the greatest problem. As nonsensical as that might sound, as hard as it can be, the reality is that this man's need for physical healing was not his most serious need. His most serious need was to be forgiven. And so Jesus sees this man. He knows his presenting problem. He knows what you'd walk up and say, oh, that's the big deal. But Jesus also looks beyond that to the deeper problem, to the deeper need. And that's actually what a good doctor will do. They'll look at the symptoms, but then they'll go back from the symptoms and find the root cause, find the real problem. And sometimes it might be surprising what these symptoms are tell someone about what the real cause of the problem is. Jesus is addressing this man's deepest need. And so this text challenges us to ask ourselves, do we really recognize our deepest needs? Do we recognize what our real condition is? And I think we often don't. We often think that our circumstances are the big problem that needs to be solved. Maybe it's a health issue, maybe it's an issue with a difficult coworker, maybe it's maybe it's that there's not enough money to go around. Maybe there's all these circumstances in our lives and we think if only this circumstance was solved, then I would be okay. But so often, it's not those circumstances that are the real problem. They are problems, don't get me wrong. All the struggles we have in this life are real struggles, and they matter, and we have to deal with them. But our circumstances are often not what we really most deeply need to be addressed. More often, it's actually ourselves. People can ride out circumstances in all kinds of good and bad ways, But the real issue in our lives is that our hearts are broken and twisted and messed up. And in this passage, Jesus recognizes that. He recognizes that the deepest need is is forgiveness. And if I can say that a little bit differently, what Jesus recognizes is that the deepest need is to be restored in relationship with God. That's what we all really need. Now, Bob, in that restaurant, what if, what if he's allergic to eggs? Then suddenly an omelet isn't such a good choice, huh? What if he has terrible heart issues and he's, he's, sw- he's sworn off cholesterol and caffeine? Well, then ordering bacon and an omelet and coffee is maybe not such a good plan, right? Not that it's a waiter's job to manage our health for us, but often the things that we want and even the things that we think we need are not what we really need. And God gives us what we really need. And what we really need is the forgiveness that Jesus offers. But the story doesn't stop with forgiveness. It goes on, and after Jesus forgives this man, he ends up healing the man too. Jesus heals. But of course, there's more to the story. In The Wizard of Oz, the book and the movie, Dorothy and her friends have these troubles and they go to the great and terrible Wizard of Oz to help them solve their problems. And one by one, the wizard invites them into the throne room and they make their requests. Dorothy asks to be sent back to Kansas. The Tin Man asks for a heart. The Scarecrow asks for a brain. The Cowardly Lion asks for courage. And Oz appears to each of them individually with tremendous power. To Dorothy, he appears as this giant head with no visible means of support who speaks with with amazing power. To the scarecrow, the wizard appears as a beautiful giant enchantress. To the tin man, the wizard appears as this great huge beast that's a mix of an elephant and a rhinoceros and a crocodile, this, this terrible, intimidating thing. To the lion, the wizard appears as a great ball of fire. And in all of these guises, he makes a demand of these people. I will help you, he says, if you help me first. You go, you kill the wicked witch of the West, and then, then I'll give you what you want. So the friends go out with fear and trembling, and and they're scared. I mean, this is a wicked witch. She's wicked, and she's a witch. This is not someone you want to mess with. But they want what they want. And so they agree to take this desperate chance and they they succeed. They do away with the wicked witch and then they come back to great and terrible Oz and they go into his throne room together and they ask that he help them and he he puts them off and he puts them off and finally they say, you've made a promise, come on, keep it. And then Dorothy's dog Toto pulls down a curtain and they turn around and they realize that the great and terrible Wizard of Oz is really just a little old man hiding in a corner pulling levers. He used to be in the circus he's good at special effects and tricks and and conning people but in terms of actual power he's got nothing he can't help anybody he's been writing checks he can't cash he's a fake now in this story when the teachers hear jesus tell this man your sins are forgiven they're shocked They're angry. The text tells us they say, This man is blaspheming. And if I can translate that, what they're saying is, This guy is claiming to be God. It's just not true. He's writing checks he can't cash. This guy is a total fake. And Jesus notices what they're saying and what they're thinking. And he asks them, Which is easier? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up and walk. And that's kind of a trick question, right? The experts in the law know that it's easier to say to someone, your sins are forgiven, than to say to them, get up and walk. Because if you say to someone, their sins are forgiven, well, how do you test that? How do you show that it's true? But if you say to someone, get up and walk, well, either they get up and walk, or they don't. You can test that one. And so what the experts of the law are thinking is, well, Jesus, it's really easy to claim that you can forgive, but we know that you can't. We know that you don't really have the power because they know that it really is harder to forgive, to really forgive than it is to bring healing. In that time, there were a variety of people who, who could do different types of healing things. They had power, they had mad, they, whatever. They could, they could sometimes heal people. But those experts of the law knew that nobody, nobody could completely forgive everybody's sins. I mean, sure, you could forgive someone if you offended against them, but, but sin is against the Lord. Sin is against God, and for, for us to claim to forgive sin... I mean, that'd be like if my neighbor ran over my foot and my neighbor on the other side said, oh, don't worry about it, I forgive you. How is that his call? It's my foot. No one can claim to really completely forgive all of someone's sins unless they're God. Only God can truly say to someone, your sins are forgiven. So when Jesus asked that question, the experts of the law would be thinking, well, it's easy to claim to forgive sins, but it's impossible to actually do it. Jesus, you're a fake, is what they're thinking. And so after Jesus asks, which is easier, which is easier? He goes on to do both. He has forgiven this man's sins. And when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, he's not just commenting on a reality. He is creating a reality. He is making an effective statement of how things now are. And then after that, Jesus heals the man. And it's his words, his power, that make that paralyzed man able to get up and walk. Jesus grants forgiveness and he gives healing. And the fact that Jesus does both, that he forgives and heals, and especially that he forgives, shows the people of his time, shows the people in this story that he is the power of God. The Gospel of Matthew is showing us through this story that Jesus is acting with the authority and the identity of God. And the crowd in this story begin to get that. The text tells us that they were awed, but that word for awe means fear. It includes gratitude and praise and all kinds of good things, but it also has this element of deep, deep fear the crowd is amazed and they're also kind of scared this guy this guy he has the authority he has the power of god himself what's he going to do with it what if what if the wizard really can do magic what if this man right here really has the authority of god What if this person right here really is God himself? In this passage, Jesus forgives and heals in such a way that it's obvious that he has the power of God. Now, based on what Jesus has done in forgiving and healing, we're going to ask ourselves two questions this morning. First, Do we respond to Jesus with accusation or awe? In this passage, we see two responses to Jesus. The experts of the law accuse Jesus. They grumble. They think, he can't do that. Who does this guy think he is? He, oh, no, he can't do that. But the crowd, the crowd responds with awe, with a bit of fear, with amazement, with gratitude, with a recognition that the experts in the law miss that this man has something to do with God. So which road do we take? Which response do we make? And you know, based on our lives, we might sometimes feel like God, like Jesus is just a fraud, He's a wizard who can't follow through on his promises. He's, he's a trickster who can pull some strings, but when it really comes down to it, he can't actually help us. Our lives are broken, and God doesn't seem to forgive or heal. And let's acknowledge the reality this morning that I think all of us at some times are tempted to accuse God. Life has its raw edges and its rough stretches, We often feel crushed and alone. And if that's where you are this morning, if you are sitting in this room this morning and you are thinking, really? Really? Jesus again? Really? Doesn't seem to be making any difference in my life so far. Let me invite you again to move away from accusation and skepticism and anger and to move again to awe, to move again to looking toward Jesus. And yes, this story happened a long time ago and far away, but it is a true story. It is real. And Jesus still acts with the authority and the power of God. Jesus continues to come to us with his grace and his love and his power. And Jesus is the only answer. He is the only cure. He is the only person who can really address the needs in our lives. He's the only one who can forgive. He's the only one who can heal. He's the only one who can make us whole. But even if we believe that, even if we believe that and we come believing God, it's still hard Even when we approach God with faith, He sometimes feels like a cosmic waiter who will not give us what we want. And sometimes it seems like God won't give us what we need. We might feel like He just bosses us around and doesn't really get our struggles and our weakness and our trouble and how hard this life is. Our lives are broken. And it's hard to see sometimes how God is at work for giving and healing in the midst of this mess. Let's just be honest and say it's hard to hold on to faith sometimes even when we really want to. But if we're up to it today, I want us to consider, to consider the possibility, to consider the reality that God really does know better than us to consider that maybe God is really working on our deepest needs even when it doesn't seem like it. Now, this next minute or so might not be helpful to some of us with where we are today. So if you hear this next minute and you think, I just, I just can't go there today, I just can't do that, that's okay. Leave it alone. Often in the Christian life, God works in us at different places, different stages, and there's, there's lessons we need to learn today And there's lessons for each of us that are not for today. So if this is not for you today, leave it alone. Maybe you'll come back to it another day or another decade. But if you're up for it today, if we're up for it, let's really reflect on the possibility that God knows more than we do, that God loves us more than we can understand. And so... That God is working in us to address our deepest needs. Let's wrestle with the possibility that even in the challenges of our life circumstances, God really, really is working for our good. Now I'm not saying bad things aren't bad, I'm not saying let's blame God for all the bad things in our lives, but I am saying that maybe somehow even through our deepest struggles when God doesn't seem to be doing what we want or doing what's right, maybe the problem isn't with God. Maybe the problem is that we just can't see what our real deep needs and what our fundamental issues really are and maybe what each of us needs most of all is not a comfortable pleasant happy safe perfect life maybe that's not really our greatest need maybe maybe our greatest need is the lord himself maybe our greatest need is to become the type of people who can who can live with the lord who can love the Lord above all things. Who can live lives that are so deeply founded on the Lord Jesus that nothing else can touch or shake us. Maybe that's what we really need. And I know it's hard to get there and none of us live there all the time. But, but what if we had the kind of life, the kind of faith, the kind of healing and forgiveness that would make us okay no matter what. And if we can trust that the Lord is really working for our good, that He really cares about us and that He knows what we need, then maybe that makes it a little easier to put up with life's trials. I think we still don't get a lot of answers in this life, but, but maybe this helps us, maybe this helps us trust the Lord even when today we aren't quite getting what we want because we see that the Lord Jesus cares about us. Because we see that we belong to Him. Because we see that He works to forgive and to heal. And Jesus' forgiveness and the healing that He will bring all of us transforms everything. We have a second question to ask this morning too. The, the first question was more internal. How, we do, how do we respond to Jesus But I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about a more external question too. And that question is, do we proclaim forgiveness or practice healing? In this text, Jesus forgives and He heals. And so then there's this question, do we as His people, do we really focus on proclaiming forgiveness for sins? Or do we really focus on practice healing, on making the world a better place? Now, we aren't supposed to do everything that Jesus does. The gospel stories are not good advice and just telling us, you need to live this way. The gospel stories are good news about what Jesus has done for us. But as we grow in Christ, we are called to live more and more like him. So I think it's worth spending just a minute on this question, or a couple minutes, don't time me. But there are are some churches that really are all about saving souls, And they say, what we need to do is we need to proclaim forgiveness, 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 and eternal salvation, and nothing else matters. And that is the proclamation of the gospel is the most important thing we can do. We need to tell the world about Jesus. But if that's all we do, it's incomplete. And then there are other churches, other people who look at the world and say, this place is so broken and messed up, and Jesus makes it right, and so what we need to do is make it right. We need to do good in this world. We need to get rid of poverty. We need to fight injustice. And all of that is good and true, but by itself, it's incomplete. We as a church, we as God's people, we as people who follow Jesus, we should be doing both of these things. We should be working on the deeper level the reality that sin is deeply planted in our world and and a lot of the evil that happens gets back to people's sinfulness. And we have the good news of Jesus Christ that He came and He saves us from our deepest problems. But at the same time, we serve a Lord who cares about things being right. We serve a Lord who cares about goodness, about righteousness, about peace. And a Lord who invites us to be part of making things right in this world. As a church, we're called to proclaim the gospel and to do good in this world. And I think we do some of both of those things, but I think we also have have a number of ways that we can grow in that. We do a lot of proclaiming the gospel type of work here. We have two services every Sunday with different sermons, different songs, so that we can really dig into God's word together. And we have Bible studies and small groups and boys and girls clubs and youth groups and all kinds of ways that we try to get people into God's word to really come to know Jesus more. And then we also have a lot of ways that we We serve the world. Even last night, a number of members of our congregation served in pads where overnight they provide lodging and food for some homeless folks. So if the person next to you is falling asleep, they went to pads last night, give them a break, okay? Or at least we'll pretend that's the case. We also were involved in a lot of different things that help people. And we're asking questions these days. How How can we do more of that? How can we engage more with our communities and our neighbors? How can we do that? We as a church ought to be all about proclaiming the good news of Jesus killed and risen for our sins, and we ought to be all about working for the ways of God's kingdom where everything is made right. We have a long ways to go in both of those areas, but I think Jesus gives us an example of forgiveness and healing that we should seek to bring to the world. But as we conclude today, let's put the focus back on Jesus. If we haven't been forgiven, if we haven't been healed, if Jesus is not at work in us, then everything we do is empty. We can only proclaim the gospel. We can only really do good in this world if we are working in the power of Jesus Christ. Without Christ, we have nothing to offer. With Christ, we have everything. And we are able to offer the world everything it needs. When Jesus comes to us, he addresses our deepest needs. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he really does have the power to transform. Jesus comes to all of us and he says, Take heart, my children. Your sins are forgiven. And Jesus comes to each of us in all the different circumstances in our lives. In one way or another, he says, maybe today, maybe in eternity. But to all of us, Jesus says, get up and walk. Jesus forgives and heals. May we all find wholeness and hope in him. Let's pray. Father, this world is a challenging place. Our lives are often so hard. Father, we pray that you work in us. We ask that you forgive us for our sin and for our unbelief. We ask that you heal heal us from our sickness, from our troubles, from our doubts. Lord, we pray that you make us right. And Father, there are so many things that happen in this world that we do not understand that are so hard for us to deal with and so hard for us to hold on to faith through. But Lord, we pray that you work in us. Help us to see what Jesus has accomplished for us. And through your Holy Spirit, help us us to accept and to own the reality of your grace and your love for us. Amen.